Hello, everybody. This is Kim Priority's podcast called Red 7 Presents. That's the working title from the last time I tried to do this. Okay, so I'm sitting here with the Mr. Mike Langford. So <laughs> I had to write all this down because the list is uh, extended of what you're doing now, which is it starts with a producer mixer of Dead Set Society. Not, well, not just of Dead Set Society, producer mixer in general. Uh, you're also bass player drummer for those Deadbeat Summers. Uh, I think there's a Twitch channel extended from that. And you run the Dear Bands entity, page, socials, syndicate. Right. You haven't really finited it yet. Can I talk now? Sure. Well, okay. yes. as no, soon that... as. <laughs> Sorry, no, just, just to put it in context, yeah, Kim and I have been, been chatting. Yes, please. I've been chatting uh, for a good 20, 30 minutes before actually hitting record it's an hour, here. But that's yeah, it's, it's been a while. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I've, been, I've been producing records for um, just over 10 years now. I've been working with bands and just working in music in general for going on 20 years, I think. Um, but yeah, no, I got my main band. Um, it's called Death at Society, or a hard rock band, and like another band just started. Um, in the summer, yeah, summer of this year, uh, 2018, uh, called Those Debut Summers, and it's more of a punk rock alternative thing. Kind of a for fun project uh, with this guy, AJ Perry, done some records with his old bands, uh, Still in Ambush, and The Soul Pursuit. Um, got a Twitch channel off to the side, plug for that. And then, um, yeah, No Dear Bands was, was something that kind of started on Twitter years ago, and it's evolved, well, it's, it's evolved into Facebook page, and um, Instagram page or account and uh, soon to be a podcast as well because I think that's and... the direction I want to go with it. I, I could see that. And and sorry, that last And you're say, exclusively announcing it here. I appreciate that. That's la- good. Exactly. This is the first announcement. That, that, that's, um, <laughs> I've had people asking about your bands because people get a lot of kick out of it, but it, it is always meant with love to the bands. It's never, I'm never trying to get bands to quit because if, if me poking fun at what you're doing a little bit makes you quit, straight up you don't have what it takes to succeed anyways in the music industry because you need way thicker skin than someone making fun of how many pieces your drum kit is on the stage or you know cupping the mic or oh God. you know not being able to afford to I don't know run Facebook ads or thinking postering makes a difference or like all these there's a bunch of things so mm-hmm. I like to put those into some talks and I like to interview some people so yeah I think you definitely take the I don't know. I, I a lot of people know the experience that you have in the industry um, from the producer side of things, but also I think from the perspective of the artist, I think it's they like having someone to connect with that's been there, done that, and knows. I don't know some of the more hellacious challenges they sometimes I think would, they experience. I but would, I would say so. Right. On the other hand, I I don't know. I talk to a lot of industry that. They take a really tough stance when it comes to artists, mainly for the part that they don't act enough on resources that are available to them, unfortunately. So you handling the business side of things, connecting with other band members and, you know, saying it, you know, I only mean this with love, but, you know, because artists can be sensitive. So it's good that you do that. But at the same point, it'd be great if there was a Simon Cowell that came in and... One of the things about um, being in the producer chair and working with the bands is like, 
when I do make comments or suggestions because inevitably they will ask things like the number one thing a band will ask is like basically can you help us get signed Mm -hmm. I can help give you ideas to help get noticed also to just to sidetrack for a second when you're talking to a lot of people in the recording industry their their water comes from you coming back to record again the idea where if you're working with someone who's also been in bands they get the position that you're in and they should be able to offer you advice where if they were in your shoes what would they be doing Mm. again there's a lot of people where they're never going to be in your shoes. They don't want to be in your shoes. Mm. So talking to bands about what I think they should be doing or what I would do, um, it's coming from an angle if I was actually in a band because I've slept on floors. I've driven overnight. I've played shows to know people. I've also played arenas. I've also taken flights for for showcases. I've kind of done both ends of the spectrum on things. Mm. So I can't help but feel like when I'm giving bands some advice, it comes with a little bit more weight than... An armchair, and I'm not saying armchair producer, but someone who's in a producer in the studio situation where the advice that they are giving, it it doesn't have the same weight because they're not willing to go do the same things. Because I would never tell a band to do something that I wouldn't do myself mm. if I was in their position. Like an armchair, like yeah, a backseat driver well, or something. Well, yeah. Or yeah. Like, again, there's one thing to, to, to have a coach tell you, um, you know, go out and do this and this. But to have a coach that played the game and they're like, yeah. I know why this advice doesn't work. I know yeah. why it sounds great on paper. Mm-hmm. Go score a goal. Yeah, that's awesome. But the thing is, is when you're like, huh, they've got some of the best defense. So maybe we need to focus differently on what we're doing. Right. You know, so I and the the mentors that I've had uh, growing up, you know, coming through the industry, because again, it's a better part of my life now. They've been in bands as well. Right. They're musicians as like accomplished musicians as well. And like that their advice their input their experience is worth so much more yeah and again no offense to a lot of instructors out there but it's very hard to find a you know instructor that that played in a band or that was an artist because right. they're still doing that probably yeah i so, think there's different huge asterisks beside what like, i just said yeah. but mm. but yeah no um there's still like the, there's still industry people that have never been, have no, have had no, like. And there are people that are amazing at that, but they're amazing at the the, the game that is the music business. Right. But I think, again, those close, close quarters where I'm talking to a band or artist about what needs to be happening um, or what I would be doing or they look at it realistically as a product. Because th- um, there's a lot of bands that, um, you know, they try to treat things equally and it's a really tough conversation. Um Again, uh, to, to reference and to probably date ourselves, No Doubts, Don't Speak is one of the best music videos because you don't need to listen to music, but the message that's in that video about Gwen needing to take three steps forward for every picture and to know what they're actually selling in that band. And it's the band acknowledging that, and that's probably her back in those days being and probably protecting her band, saying, well, no, like No Doubts a band. And the people who are actually marketing the band just like, but the band is Gwen Stefani. The band is female-fronted, blonde hair, pigtails. Um, you know, I don't know the name for the shirt, but like the midriff showing and just like all this and the, the, you know, the plaid, super tight pants. Like that's what the band is from marketing standpoint. Right, that's, that's what the you're selling. PR, and yeah. again, it's just, it's, I can have these conversations with bands because I know what it's like when you're like, mm. you know, why is so-and-so getting attention? And like, why can't it go over here? Why can't it be equal? It can be, but you're doing yourself a disservice. You really yeah. are. 
um, especially some of the female-fronted bands I've worked with, it's a, it's a tricky conversation because they do so much to protect their bands and to make it feel like... Because they're already singled off, especially the... Usually the females are fronting it. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, female-fronted. But it's like they do so much to protect their bands and to make it a unit, but it's like, no, like you, you, ha- you still have responsibilities to the product of the band. Mm. And um, this segues into what you're getting at at the end of the intro, but the bands need to look at themselves from that business point of view, like take themselves out of the band and go like, why is this interesting? What, what's yeah, going but... on? And for industry to look at, that's how they look at you first and foremost. So. Yeah. But. But. The huge thing with artists is that they have a really hard time with, I find, and through experience and talking with other industry, that objectivity is unfortunately a huge blind side. For a lot of artists, they don't see a lot of what you're saying. So Absolutely. any constructive criticism or just outright just do it, especially after being told repeatedly in throughout the years or from different industry perspectives, this is how this needs to happen. But that's not how we want it. But it's not about the bands. It's about who is it that's going to buy your albums? Like, how is it being perceived? How are you going to get it to them? You yeah, know? I know, and that and that's one of those things too. Where the, like, if you can't take criticism from someone who's on the same team as you, mm. again, that's another one of those. Because I, other thing I would add to the pile, I was gonna start a label years ago, and I started putting together my checklist of things that a band or an artist needs to have to be taken to like be taken in consideration. Because even even before I hear anything, or like really know much about the artist, these are things that need to get ticked off, and. Um, that was one of those things. I'm like, if you can't handle my criticism and I'm on your team, you're screwed. Mm. Because someone, and it's one of those things too, right? I know some artists, are like, they, they'll they'll kind of like, I don't know if this is the right terminology, but they'll kind of pander to the, the pecking order of everything. Or the idea where if someone's above them, they'll, yeah, whatever you say, like, that sounds good. Like, let's do that. It's a great idea. And if they think someone's below them, they'll be like, oh, I'm not doing that. That's not what I want to do. Yeah. And so the idea where, like, if you can't take criticism from people on your own team, people internally within the band, they, they almost take it they take it personally and they take it as people are just hating on what they're doing. And it's like, well, people don't just talk for no reason. You give someone an opportunity to give an opinion, they will. But if you ask someone, what do you think of our music? What do you think of our promo picks? What do you think of our live show? They'll give you an answer. But if industry openly gives you an answer about stuff, like... They're not wasting their time telling a band they don't want to work with what they they think they should be doing or or giving them some advice. Yeah. So industry actively gives answers all the time. It's just not what bands want to hear a lot of the time. And their answers to how your music is or whatever, like just because industry doesn't like or share or comment on the post, that doesn't mean they're not paying attention to what you're doing. Oh, absolutely. Actively, all the time. It's not them, it's interns, it's associates, it's producers. It's the one person who's friends with the head bartender in a club that you're playing to maybe five people, if that. How did you handle that? Like, you know, it's all communicated. I I would add, add to that as well. And like, industry won't bother giving you advice unless A, they want you to go away. Yeah. They don't want you on, you know, they don't want your stuff across their desk. They don't want your stuff in their email. They don't want it, you know, calling them or mm. whatever, tweeting at them. They don't want you in, in, yeah. in there. They just want you off the table. Or they're giving you advice because they want you to get better. And they want you to come back in a year 
Yeah. And I think that's what probably turns some some bands and artists' stomachs upside down. Mm. I think it's with Google where if you get your interview and like you don't get your job, I think it's like one, two, or three years until you can reapply. They don't even want to hear from you. They give yeah. you what you need to work on and then come back later. That's how confident they are with their, their product. Yeah. So the idea that like if you get a response at all, mm-hmm. again, if they sell, basically tell you to go away, if that's enough to make you quit, didn't have what it took anyway, so... You that's know, one yeah because it's one them. response if that's they it. give you a thing or just like you guys need to look better on stage or you mm. know your social medias need to pick up they're giving you feedback yeah that's what they want to see that's what they want to see in order to make an investment in what you're doing so yeah to segue from that and the many endeavors that uh, bands get involved with hopefully one of the things I always encourage artists to do is to have their resources up and running for the fans to gain access to them because that is truly the real feedback that they're looking for is the fans. Yes, industries to help them and all that, but they need the fans to help them. And a part of that, one of the many ways to get that help from them is to draw them in with different things. And this time of year with Christmas coming up, I'm hoping that a lot of artists utilize what they have in their toolkits and put on some Christmas specials on their website, through their store, different at their shows, like different things like that. So from your perspective, have you and your band over the years done things like that? And if so, just talk a little bit about that. Not even close. No, no, but (laughs) yeah, no. So that's the funny answer. Um, The real slash funny slash sad answer. Um, like holidays across the board, if you're, if you're, and this one, I preface this, but if you're struggling for content for your socials, all you need to do is go on Twitter and see it's national something day. Exactly. And go get that. And now, now you're, now you're, you're part of what's going on with the, the conversation with everybody. Um, but yeah, like Halloween, um, again, like I'm a big fan of, it's, yeah, it's weird going from Halloween to Remembrance Day, but that's the kind of the order. Um, like that's a really good one too. Again, like Dead Set's got a lot, a lot of um, military and ex-military following as well. So, like, that's mm-hmm. good to be able to, like, you can't miss these things. These are important to people. Well, that's, Birthdays. Yeah. Um, and again, when you're saying going into Christmas, maybe, maybe if you want to go play acoustic, play some, play a couple of Christmas tunes if you want. Or, like, grab some different instruments and redo one of your, your songs, like, Christmas style. See how, like, you have fun with it. That's a big, big misconception um, even with like serious bands, we're like you can do a, a couple tweaks to what you're doing, and make it more appropriate to whatever you're trying to um, move towards. That being Christmas music or like stuff through the the seasons, or maybe do some covers or something like that. Um, give me the look. Uh, having uh, sales at your in your merch store online, like there's a bunch of things you can be doing to to wrap the year up nicely. Um, Christmas present style so that you've you can get your socials going but also um yeah get some of your your merch going out as well but yeah most bands don't really think to do that so is there any particular like you mentioned content like content to me is available to you 24 7 I think like there's anything that you like band related personal life whatever like bus stop while you're waiting for anything like whatever but Christmas is the biggest marketing time of the year. Black Friday is this Friday. Yeah. So it's 
So that's why I'm hoping that booking flights because it's already started the sales. Right. So, so it's, <laughs> which is a good thing to always look out for for that, yep. especially for the holidays. But I'm really hoping that bands take advantage of it because there's so much marketing opportunity for that. And from my perspective, and maybe you can, I don't know, tear this down or break it down or whatever. Um, the thing, I think they look at it that it's an extra amount of, uh, money they have to take from their budget to maybe order Christmas material or Christmas branded merch or anything you like that. You could do a hundred artist or band branded Christmas mug okay. and probably sell yeah. them all. And, you know, or, or if you want to go that angle too, like there's got to be a charity or something where you can maybe split, split the profits off of that. So yeah, bands do need some money. Artists do need some money to operate. And you're right. This is, this is a great time of the year to think outside the box a little bit on some of your content. Or some of your some of the things that you want to create, some of your merch products. So maybe using leftover inventory from a tour that summer. Absolutely. Like little package combinations or something well, like, like that. Dead set put all their old stuff up. Not old stuff, but stuff that's that's um, the last print. It's all up there. I think about twenty five percent off right now. So okay, is that going to go up on your? It's site? already up there. It's already up. Yep. See, this I, is why I'm this you. is this is where <laughs> I I am good and awful at the same time because. I'll do stuff and I won't say anything about it. And then someone will notice it. And then I'm like, good. Someone noticed. Cause I'm curious to see who's going to the store and who's actually checking things. So like, I don't broadcast a big sale going on. I just put the sale sign up in the store and I sit there for a week and then I'll tell people later because I think I, I also like to reward the people who do their homework and people who dig. Cause I love Easter eggs in life. I leave Easter eggs everywhere. Um, Okay. And the thing it's is, a little low key, lower you, key yes. than a marketing from a marketing perspective. Absolutely, and like Black if, Friday's been advertised because, since what? Because they spring. <laughs> because they need to get people into a frenzy. I also like seeing what some of our core fans do when I leave Easter eggs up. So is this how you've always been doing, or is this something? It's something you're more I like emphasizing to do because more now. The way that I can justify it, it's like if we're gonna have a sale up for a month, mm -hmm. if I have it sit for five days and it's already going and people start. You then know. yeah that's and then, if I, and then if i put a blast out you know on the sixth or seventh day we lost five days at the beginning but mm. there are some early adopters that were really able to get in there and get the sales so so you do have some hardcore fans that they know like they have you set up they get notified when you i think they just check up and again which I, is good again because even with dead set it's like i put a post up saying like we should probably get some new merch for tour soon mm-hmm and then you start selling a couple things before people even know that there's new stuff in the store. That's good. Yeah. So That's I like good. to I like to see that. So and you already have that kind of built-in traction. There, yes. No. We we definitely are core fans, and I and also say like if you're a band, you should like write down numbers one to a thousand on a on a you know piece of Bristol board or something, and put it on the wall, your rehearsal space or at home, and every time you sell a package that's worth a hundred dollars, cross a number off. Because what you need to be doing is you need a thousand core fans that will that will that will invest a hundred dollars into your band a year. Really easy math. Once you have those thousand core fans, now you're in business. Now you've got now you've got a, a, a budget to work with for a year. Okay. And for musicians who are still you know scrambling to get to their phones to figure out what that number is, a hundred times a thousand is a hundred thousand. So that's $100,000 you have to work with. So either you can, if you got four people in your band, that's $25,000. You can just split, you know, or 
talking about gross right now, not an actual profit. Um, but at least you've got numbers coming in right. that you can work with. Yeah. So even if you've got 100 core fans that will give you $100 a year, again, that's still $10,000 you can work with. It's not as much as $100,000 to work with. Which is the bigger game. Which is yeah. what you want to aim for. Um, or even, you know, 1,000 a, a fans will give you 50 bucks. $50,000 you got to work with. Um, so I, I just say kind of work there. But with, with Deadset, I know our core fans and where they kind of sit with things. I think when we launched our pre-sale for a record, the $100 package, I think we sold it within 15 minutes. Nice. And I remember with my, my housemate that was sitting there and I, I launched it. I'm like, we just sold our first $100 like a VIP package. Nice. And he remember he just kind of like was shocked. He's like, you guys don't even have a band. I'm like, well, yeah, we do. We just, <laughs> we have like a song out. And, but like, this is, this is how the music business works now. This is those Debbie Summers? No, this is Dead Set. At the beginning? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Nice. No, and that, that I remember, I was, we're sitting in my dining room right now, but sitting in the living room and I just had it all done and posted it and posted on the the, um, the the Dead Set Facebook page and so I just need to clarify you track like you basically had a plan from the beginning of Dead Set Society yeah. that you knew of course yes. everybody in the band has already had experience from other bands yeah. like we can touch on everyone that is successful right exactly key word there successful has, has had been some there, form done of success that. yes exactly so so you knew from the beginning of this entity to what to track, what the numbers to kind of keep looking out for. Yeah. And so you've been together how long now? Um, we officially started this August 2016. So we're just over, maybe just under two and a half years. Yeah. Wow. Doesn't seem Where like it. Where did that time go? Exactly. So you've, have you attracted, do you have the hundred hardcore fans? Like, are you... And that's that's the thing. I think we're just shy. Yeah. Of, and this and this is where, like, I know how many core fans, those $100 a year um, investing fans, um, I knew where that number sat back at the beginning of 2017. We haven't launched the pre-sale for the new record. I, I think in my head know what, what we have for those core fans, but I'm not sure yet because we haven't actually put that test back out. We haven't sold something where we're like, this is $100. Will you trust us that we're going to deliver something you think is worth $100? And you have new music coming out yeah. early in 2019? Yeah, the new record will come out February or March. Okay. For artists that are listening that don't have the 100 core, the 50 core fans, 20 core fans. Even 10 core fans. Even 10 core fans because there's a lot of industry that I keep referencing that, but that's my perspective that I come from. So when we see things that work, you jump on it and, you know, use yeah. that going forward. So for the bands that don't have that or aren't aware of it and, you know, assume because you've used it and you've had success with it, that it is a good model to, you know, replicate, then how do they go about gaining the core fans or keeping track or how to attract them in the first place with packages or, just even social posting, where would they start? I think this breaks down into two legs. One, you have to be sincere mm. and you have to enjoy talking to people and you have to be genuinely interested in people because you are making friends. Yeah. Um, I think it was Rick Barker was talking with, uh, with talking about Taylor Swift and she wanted a platinum record. And he's mm -hmm. like, okay, we need to go make a million friends basically. And I feel like that's, that's a really good piece of advice. You know, if right. you want, if you want a thousand core fans, you need to make a thousand core friends. 
people that genuinely want to see you do well. Right. And you'll have a lot easier for them investing in what you're doing. Because also right. they like the art that you're making as well. So I think that's the one leg. It's like be genuine. Enjoy talking to people. Because like I respond to stuff all day. Yeah. Yeah. And people are like, oh, you're on social media all day. And it's like, well... It, there, it's, it's a part it's, of it. It's kind of an onion, as much as I don't like onions. It's kind of an onion as far as, like, how that whole ecosystem works. And I feel guilty if I can't respond to people. And there's there's certain fans where, like, they, they need a little more attention than others. Yeah. You know, we, we have some people that have been through some traumatic things. And if I get a message, I, I don't like not responding yeah. in a timely fashion. Um, the other leg I'll say as far as people getting those fans, um, even if you're not a people person, or you just don't like people, but you're an artist. Yeah. Understand that the, these people are going to allow you to do what you want to do for a living. They're the ones that are going to invest in the product that you're making. So if you're not a people person, understand that they have to invest in what you're doing in order to afford to do what you're doing, to, to do what you want to do. Your stuff has to be so unbelievably good. So great that it doesn't even matter if they don't like you as a person. They're just like, oh, stuff's so right. good though. Yeah, it's, it, it's like worth people, it. Yeah, people like Billy Corgan come to mind. Like, oh, yes, he's, he's kind of a d hole, and you're just like, but it's ah, oh, but you know, Simon's dreams is so good. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where like you'll you can, you'll put up with that. You'll to, put up with some of that yeah, stuff. So it's like if, if those are the two legs, you can be. I'm gonna say you can be Andrew WK, and everyone loves him, and there was just something about his music at the time it wasn't reacting, but everybody loved him. And that's what's that's what allowed him. And I will go on record to say this. And I hope I meet him sometime because he's awesome. I do. He released pizza guitars, inflatable pizza guitars for the for the holidays. He's still into that, which is yeah, awesome. He's still into that. Um, so it's like something about his music wasn't reacting with music fans, but his personality and his fans and his motivational speaking and like his attitude and his character. It's like which is to me, it's like '80s wrestler. Not because of his appearance, but because of like the character that was attached to it and the sincerity of it. Like you bought into it, mm-hmm. and then you realize that no, he's actually just a, he's a really good guy. He's genuine. He's very genuine. Yeah. It's organic to him, and yeah, yeah similar no. artists like him. Yeah, yeah, and that that's one of those things where like it came back around. Where like now he's he's super big on Twitter. Like you can tweet at him right now, and he'll probably like it or he'll respond it or retweet it or something. Yeah. Whether it's actually him or someone else working his his social. Yeah. Um, work your own socials, by the way. Yes. But um. There are things you can get help with with the bulk of this stuff, like just respond to your own stuff. Um, but it's like, that's what allowed him to have the career. It's him being awesome. And okay, him so... being good with people. Is if he was a jerk and people didn't respond to his music, mm-hmm. he has no career. Right. And his music is good. I like so, it. So I'm guessing that ties into building up those core followers. And he does have a core following. I just worked with him recently, actually. Yeah. And he's... It's his fans are diehard, and yes, the pizza is still involved in it. I think he had a VIP pre like pizza party or something. pizza party, yeah, and it was pretty cool. It was a small gathering, but still, it was the core followers. I don't think he has it home guitars even anymore. Matter. But yeah. Again, it's definitely so, quality yeah, over quantity. And these people, this crew, and it's not just the artists. It goes to the crew that they work with as well. Whether you have a small crew, one guitar yeah. tech one assistant with merch, whatever. Like, it's infectious. It has, Especially if you're on the road. It has to be, you know, there has to be that vibe there. So mm-hmm. if you're not, if you're only genuine as a performance when you're on stage or at the merch booth and all other times it's basically get the hell away from me. Yeah, you have, it's, have to be sincere it's kinda, and think, yeah. would, and again, it's it, you do, this is probably like a whole other topic where like right. you have to draw a line sometimes between 
the you that is at work on right. tour, or the you that is at work at a show, and how friendly you can be with some of your fans with things because like you right. you still want to go home too sometimes because they right. know you as as an artist or as a musician. Right. Um, but yeah, no, there's definitely a, li- a line there, but to I, help build up, it's yeah. Yeah, not try, not to try to get too off topic, but I think yeah, when no. you talk about building those things up, it's like either be sincere and that's going to give you a lot of leeway with what you actually do as an artist mm-hmm. or make sure your stuff is so undeniably awesome mm-hmm. that it that they don't care. They don't they don't care who you are as a person. Granted you're not doing anything absolutely horrible or anything that you'd be ashamed of publicly, but mm-hmm. um so I I know I won't name any names, but I know an artist that his public image was garbage for a long time. Mm-hmm. He was not very nice to people. Um, some of the things in his personal life, people were not a big fan of it. Like they're definitely not dinner table conversations that this guy had. But when he picked up his instrument, everyone stopped doing what they were doing right. because he was so good at it. Yeah. And in that culture, in that scene, everyone's just like, he's so good. They'll he's put up so with good. Whatever. Yeah. And this is this yeah. is a niche market thing. This wasn't just someone playing piano or something. It's just like this is a niche instrument from niche niche genre. Right. And um, I remember hearing that story. I'm just like, I'm glad that still exists in the world. I'm still glad that someone can pick up an instrument and make people forget a, forget about them on a personal level because they're connecting on this, this higher, like, spiritual, musical, universal language yeah. level. The artist that comes to mind for me automatically that it ties together on all fronts is that it has to work is Shawn Mendes. He's a huge star, and he's just genuinely... He genuinely cares about his fans in person. He's on Twitter all the time. Mm-hmm. And they had a recent video viewing in New York with Casey Neistat, who's a huge YouTuber. And uh, they decided to get together and do a movie together. And somebody mentioned on Twitter on Sean's post about doing a viewing party as a preliminary thing. And they said, let's go for it. So they did that. And he gets in the crowd. He has no problem communicating. So it's, it'd be great, yes, if... What translated from stage as performing, that's your element. Totally get it. Yeah. It's just if you could carry, the, if you need to perform a little bit when you get off stage, maybe fake it till you make it, if that's a part of it. I would, I know that's not a great thing, but at the well, same time, the it's, thing that came I would recently. rather that they, people aren't on all the time. So if there's times that you come off stage and, you know, you'd rather go for a smoke or whatever and then go to the merch table or whatever. But kind of figure that stuff. Yeah. If artists would try to remember that it's, you know, people came out, made the effort, went to a lot of trouble in some cases to come and see you. So, and that's not just one night it carries out throughout your whole career. So if I think to wrap it up for me, it's if they, you know, could think of it as, people supporting them people want to support absolutely them. you know so, you're yeah. you're you're um yeah, there's just there's two things I, I thought about when you're you know it's, it's like one thing i started seeing singers like going into crowds and stuff and mm-hmm. the idea of yeah like, aren't you worried like yeah. people are gonna grab at you imagine <laughs> you're playing to like you know fifteen thousand people in an arena and singer hops into the audience and i'm yeah. thinking it's just like they're not afraid of because they're they're, yeah. they're going into the crowd and the crowd is their friends yeah they're, exactly. trying to create, they're trying to create a moment. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm just and one of the things too. We're like crowd walking. We're like a singer, like walk in and like people like hold their legs and they can stand up. I know. Up. I've seen that. And, That's um, insane. I, yeah, I first saw um, well, I saw Jacoby when her, with um, Papa Roach and he went and did that. I'm just like, That's awesome. 
And then you start seeing <laughs> other people try and do that. I'm just like, it looks awkward, but it's still awesome. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, that's your friends holding them. Yeah. You know, because somebody can come like, oh, it's kind of sucky. And the fans love it when they trust them to it's do a that. Moment. Yeah, it's, it's an experience, a, it's a that live experience. It's then, so awesome. And the other thing I try to tell bands and artists, it's like, don't don't cage yourself when you're at a show. You are there. You are at work from 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about, you know, going for a smoke break or grabbing a drink or I wanted to swear there. Lying down for a nap after a show. It's just like what? Like unless you're doing your meet and greet later or something like, no, you're at work right now. Yeah. Your friends came out to see you. Imagine your friends come over for your, your party mm. and you're like, I'm just going to go for a nap. You're like, oh, well, we came to see you. Not that they're going to hang out the whole time with you, but it's like be accessible or like yeah. like be in the zone. Yeah. Like especially with touring, like you can you can honestly spend 18 or 20 hours a day doing things, mm-hmm. you know, be it traveling. So even though if you're not driving or anything, like you're still traveling, you're still in the zone. You should still be working your socials. Like there's still so much you can do when you're just oh, yeah. sitting in the van. You're like, you're, you're held captive by your, your, your band. Your and fans want to see that too. Make stuff. Yeah. You know, if you can grow your community at that time when you're yeah. driving through barren highways, so when, you know, when you're looking at how many, how many hours you're actually doing stuff, uh, or available and whatnot, it's like, no, every single show, you are 6 p.m. or 7, 6 or 7 p.m. till 2 o'clock in the morning. That's the gig. I hope that they hear this and are encouraged to do that a little more because it's not going to happen overnight and it's not going to be done by magic. You still need to put the work in. So yeah. hopefully they, they're a little more. Because you, you see how, how many, and you getting brought it up, it's like there, there's, there's teams of people that make a pro touring act actually work mm-hmm. and function properly. Right. And... You know, I don't say smaller bands or smaller. I always say emerging bands. Yes. Or lower exposure bands. They're just like they're they're still working on stuff. But yeah, emerging bands, when they start trying to bring people into the fold and, and bring your people, you're just making that machine work that much harder. It can mm-hmm. be easier in some ways, but working working that much harder um, to to maximize those shows. But you know, I I'll go see shows these days if I genuinely genuinely want to go see the bands. Or I want to go see my friends because mm-hmm. it's Toronto music scene is what it is. Yeah. Um, but if I go see a band that I'm interested in working with, I am raking them over the coals about how they run their show. Do you uh, really? Absolutely. And mentally, absolutely. Because, because they I, know you or no, no, if I want to that... work with a band, a band I don't really know. Okay. I'm watching everything. I'm watching what they're doing before they're playing, after they're playing, on stage, how they're loading gear off, how they're bringing gear on, Interesting. how they're running their merch table. I'll even poke my head around and say, like if they're at their van or something, I'll see what they're up to. I'm interested. This is all part of the package. I don't want to... It a... is. I'm just surprised to hear another band member say that because as a promoter, I'm walking in looking at everything too. So I pro- wonder producer, if... That's the thing. Is like yeah. When I go play shows, I still mentally don't feel like Mike the drummer. I still feel like Mike the producer because that's what I've been doing for such a long time. So Interesting. It's, I, I just know that between... 8 and 8.30, I've got to play the drums, and then I can go back to being Mike the producer because that's where my head's at. And also Mike the manager or Mike or tour manager or, like, whatever. Like, So Mike that's the, the hat that you gravitate that's back my, mass, that's most to. That's my first choice hat. It's oh, okay. like, I like that. And that's why I think Dear Bands, like, it, it, again, it comes from a good spot. It's like, I love chatting about that stuff. 
I can... Maybe you should do a podcast about it. I should maybe do a podcast. I should, I should get one of these Yeti mics and do a podcast. We got but two it, Yeti mics like, here. You know, and then it's, it's one of those things where you're talking to somebody about like what they're, they're passionate about and their energy level will come up. Because mm-hmm. like, they want to keep talking. If someone likes dogs, they're going to be able to talk about dogs for hours. If you don't like dogs, they're going to be like, I don't like dogs. And that's mm-hmm. the end of the conversation. But... Even though I, I enjoy producing, I like mixing more. But mm. but I just still I'm still not a geek about it. I don't want to talk about that stuff all the time. But when it comes to the overall band experience, because I was never the best at what I was doing. It's just under the circumstances, I just had to be better than other people. I had to put more time in. Mm. I had to take more risks. I had to find to get more to oppor- that level. Find more opportunities. Yeah, and you yeah. just you, you kind of start drilling down into into some like that mindset of just like. You know, you're playing basketball. I don't care that you're taller than me. I just need to be, I just need to get under your arm for exactly. a second. I just need to get around that's, you. That's all I need. I just need to get around yeah. you for a second to, to be able to get this job done. Yeah. Um, so back to the whole show thing. Um, I mean, this is good. Back to the whole show thing. It's like when we're playing with other bands, I'm still watching how they're running. Like what actually got me back into bands um, years ago I was with Age of Days, I was doing a couple of records with them and they're asking me about drums. And I said, if you're stuck, like, Give me a shout and I'll come out. But they were playing a festival near Ed- Edmonton and Corn was headlining. And so like the teenager, nice. you know, fanboy me was like, I want to go poke around on stage. It wasn't like, I want to meet Jonathan Davis or like, I want to high five field. You me. wanted to see the behind the scenes. I want to see the production. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I want to see how they're running it. That's because, where I go too. Yeah. Because I'm just thinking like production wise, like what, what do they need tracks and stuff? They've got some electronic overtones and but I'm like, I want to see their light show. I want to go see what they're running and and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Hell Yeah was on that that show too. And I remember seeing his, oh, yeah. I remember seeing Vinnie Paul's drum tech. Yeah. Even I, like one of my memories too, yeah, you know, um, got to rest Vinnie Paul. But I remember seeing, we were, we pulled in and we're trying to figure out where to park our, you know, very modest GMC Safari van <laughs> next to all these tour buses. <laughs> and I remember he was walking down these steps and he just like looked in and he just nodded. And we're all just like, Vinnie Paul, it's not at us. And like, it doesn't mean anything, but it was just <laughs> well, cool. Well, sure it does. Because he didn't have to do that. Life made. He didn't have to nod at us. But anyways, um, I remember just like poking around and like, like, this is what fascinates me. Like, mm. how the machine works. And sorry, with Vinnie Paul, I remember seeing his drum tech sitting behind his drum set, carving these corkscrew, like, like with like a, a box cutter, like carving these corkscrew things into his drumsticks. And I'm like, that looks awesome. For what? For... For just show it, just looked badass because oh. his drumsticks had this like yeah. I'm just remembering them now. Yeah, thing in it, and he was throwing tons into the crowd. I'm like, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen if you get hit one with the eye or something. <laughs> but um, you know, it's like that's what fascinated me was just yeah. how that ecosystem kind of works. Yeah, and and when I watch bands, and I you know, there's there's some, um, there's some like marriage counselors and you know divorce lawyers and stuff where like. They claim they know if if a couple will make it by like just hearing their conversation between the two of them, how they talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And when I watch bands, I've worked with so many bands now mm-hmm. that I can kind of tell them, you and you might be successful in another project. Yeah, you and you are enjoying the, you know, the the alcohol and narcotics side of it. Yeah. Or all of you are enjoying that. Yeah. Or all of you really want to make this it's work. It's the energy. Yeah. it's yeah. Just, There's little things that you can see. When I see bands functioning and how they're working and stuff, 
the amount of times where I could probably put a band member's name or just a position in the band in an envelope and say, this is who's in your band in six months, if you want to be successful. And the amount of times where I feel like I've been right or where I've been like, that band's probably done in six months. Mm -hmm. And I've probably been, if I'm wrong, everyone's still happy and that's good. If I'm right, people are probably happier overall because they're not spending time working, you know, trying to work professionally within a hobby. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, anyways, that was a bit, bit of a rant that way. But like, that's what act, that's where my passion is in the music business. It really is around like the psychology and the ecosystems that are bands and artists because it's such a weird, messed up career choice. It's really freaking easy to have fun and go play every three months and play to your friends and family and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and go rehearse a couple times a week and, and fantasize about the bus and the record label and all and the, the deal and music videos and all this stuff. But it's like, both of us are, are fans of Gary Vee, but like, I love his, his whole, like <laughs> get punched in the mouth thing. Yeah. And it's like, I've had my, my times in the last, yeah, last 15, 15, 20 years where like, I feel like I, and again, he would probably argue like I haven't been punched in the mouth yet, but when you have something happen that you're just like, I did not think this is how this is going to go down. Imagine, you know, this is hypothetical. Imagine you're a band or an artist and you invest in a campaign, a record, and you trust people and you do this, this, and this. And then you realize at the end of it that, like, maybe they were just using you as a cash cow. Possibly. To me, that's a bit of a punch in the mouth because you're like, you you trusted a lot of people. So then you got to start over again. And I've had to work with some of those artists that have been soaked of money for years and yeah. they come to me and they want to do something and of course the budget's now garbage they don't trust anybody with with money yeah and, and you that's a shame build, and you got to build that trust back up and yeah. you're just like i'm different well guess what they've heard that they're before. all different they've yeah. heard that before so yeah again it's just the, the whole how the business works and seeing it from an artist's perspective because i genuinely do want to see people succeed yeah so i've been really fortunate yeah, you have been. You've worked with some amazing artists, crews, producers, industry yeah, so many over capacities. the years. Yeah. So yeah, it's. I think it is interesting the way decisions are made and how artists come to the conclusions of that. I don't think there's enough. I think there's a huge disconnect still, unfortunately, between industry and resources and artists, because I guess when you know artists try to do things for themselves and they do try to bring people on board to help them unfortunately some have gotten screwed over and stuff has happened but the way things are going now independent labels are becoming overpowering the number of artists that are getting signed by the major labels and that's not slamming the labels at all they still have their i mean given the recent announcement with taylor swift i mean that just universal wants wants to sign taylor swift they have. And again, Killers yeah. were a huge cash cow for, for Universal for a very, yeah. very long time. But all the subsidiaries and whatnot, they've got a place too. But the thing is, it's like Universal needs a machine that, like Taylor Swift could really benefit still from a machine that large. Yeah. A lot of bands don't. Because right. they're not they're not even close to being They're there not yet. there yet. The thing is, is whether it's Taylor Swift, you guys an acoustic uh, you know somebody who plays open mic night every week it's still up to the bands to put the work in to build up their following and to get those core fans and to get their stores built up ideas they still need to put in the work so it's i'm hoping by listening to podcasts like mine yours others everybody's everybody's you're not going to hear any shortcuts or anything different it's still even taylor swift i mean what did rick barker tell her you know even the beginning of her career when he was working with her 
she wanted to go out and interact with her fans more, whether it was social media, in person, yeah. signings, whatever. She genuinely, organically, like we've talked about, wanted to go out and connect with them. And they see that. You can't fake that with fans. No. They, even when you're watching a, a show, you can tell when the players, like you said, when you can tell when they're not being, when the energy is not there and it's not going to be successful. Yeah. No, that's definitely. So it's uh, to wrap it up there, I guess. Um, this to is tie, good, Yes. Is good. It is good. I, th- I think so. it's better than others now, we Kim, may have done. Kim, Kim is, just, just to say, Kim is worried about the length of some of these things, but you know, I, I think am. These, these are... These I know. Are, I'm not this, used to the editing feature this yet. This is great. So yeah. Great. <laughs> Again, you, you write down sometimes like the things you want to talk about. Yeah. And I think we touched on those, but like sometimes you just, you get into a video or something and I'm just but like, no, this it's, is... I think it's easy for either one of us to get yeah, on yeah, a topic yeah. and then there's like 15 branches yeah. that go from that. So it's... Um, but to wrap this up... Um, I do want to uh, just touch on one final thing because it ties into what we've been talking about. You and your band, Dead Set Society, you're about to head out on tour with Fozzie. Yep. So um, across Canada, finally. across Canada. How many dates is it? Uh, I think there's there's eight. Basically, eight dates. Yeah. Okay. One second. I think I remember it. Is. <laughs> there's well, basically Ottawa, which is Arm Prior, um, London, Toronto, Thunder Bay. Winnipeg, Regina, Edmonton, Calgary. In about that order, eh? I think so. Hmm. Yeah, we end in Calgary on, on December 4th. And you have a new merch line for that, is that, that is correct? correct. And that's up now? That is up now. Are you going to consider doing like a Christmas specialty thing? Because it ends, what, the mid, early December? What? The tour. The tour. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, and it was really well. Then we go back through the states, doing a, a few. Actually, we do a Christmas show with Rents on Rising and uh, for one of the stations down there, and it's so there, there's some some Christmassy things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll probably have some time in the van to discuss some ideas because I would love to do some more acoustic stuff because it, it's nice. definitely been a minute since we've we've done any of that because we everyone's been busy working. Yeah. You know, real talk. It's like you come off the road after the better part of a year and people need to build up the coffers a little bit again in order to, yeah. to head back out and do some touring. So, um, That's but, good. But yeah, as far as Christmas stuff, like Dead Set, we'll find our, our things to do. Um, AJ and myself with those Debbie Summers, like because there's way, way more ability to do left to center stuff with that band because of the content. So we were talking about some of the mugs we were going to make for the holidays. Okay. Like, yeah. And yeah, there's, there's a few things. I think this is like, like your, I this is like your twin. That's allowed to bounce that, no, around that is, the room and jump is, up no. and down on the bed yeah, or no, something. No, dead set <laughs> is definitely, again, it, it, keep in mind too, the people that you're working with and stuff. And you want to make sure like it's on brand, you know, like me wearing a big yellow hat to go play dead set show. Not exactly on brand. Not really. Dressing yeah. up as a giant banana and doing a, a deadbeat summer show. Sure. Totally on brand. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, that goes. That flies. <laughs> so again, it's it's you got to figure out some things that kind of work within the house that you're you're trying to play within. But yeah, there's there's definitely some stuff with deadbeat summers where AJ because we just don't say no to stuff. It's like improv drama class in high school. Where you're just like, sure. <laughs> That's a good way to put yeah, it. Actually, just accept. Yeah, sure. You're not touring as such or performing live anywhere, but you're you do have a Twitch channel. Yeah, that was our excuse. Was if we're not practicing, what start? What came first? The like, uh, the band. Okay. Yeah, and then it evolved into. And the, the, yeah, and then AJ is oh, just okay. like, "Hey, you feel about a Twitch channel?" Because he wanted to start one. Right. And I'm like, I knew about it, but I didn't know enough about it, and I started doing my homework on it. I'm just like, 
kind of want to do this. Also, it's an excuse to play video games because I never have a chance to do that. So this allows me to work that into my schedule where I can play games for a couple hours a week. If you're in a band, I actually don't say to rehearse that much. I think I will just don't rehearse, write songs. And when people say like, oh, we need to go rehearse and that's how we write a song. No, because you're just being loud and you probably don't know what you're doing. If you want to go jam, that's cool. But if you want to actually write songs, carve out time to write songs. And the best way to do it is to not all get in the rehearsal space and make a noise. Drummers ruin everything when you're trying to write songs. Have you found that's the rule of thumb for in general or for you guys? I've never been to a writing camp that has a freaking drum kit in the room with professional writers. Okay. So that's where that comes from. It's that like, is definitely out of my it's, scope. It's like, yeah, I don't know that yeah. Area. It's the idea where you usually have a couple of guitars or a piano and or a piano and like you're writing your songs together again. It's not, doesn't work for every single genre because I need to work on riffs and kind of go mm. from there. But I'm just finding a lot of rehearsal spaces, people are just kind of going through the motions again. And that's not how you get better as an artist or as an athlete. You're practicing the same thing over and over again. And rarely you're practicing anything that has any value to you getting better or moving forward. Um, so I say carve time out to write, not to rehearse. Rehearse for shows, but like spend your bulk of your time writing. So that's what AJ and I do. We get together and we write and we record and we put it out. Um, so that being said, us not playing shows, we're like, well, what if we get together once a week and stream for, you know, two or three hours? So that's taking the place of actually performing. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Oh, I, can, okay. I can justify that. Okay. Um, that kind of snowballed into trying to stream daily for an hour because I can play video games for an hour. <laughs> and I did that. That's fine. But but yeah, no, that, that's that's where that kind of all came from. So, And, and sorry, last, last time I said that too, when you're playing shows, the whole goal at the end of the day is to be able to connect with your fans live. Yes. What's the difference between that or streaming on Twitch and having your personalities come through or streaming on Facebook Live and having your personality come through? I think it's easier online. Way easier. You don't need to wear pants. You don't. Uh, yeah, that's. Just, I, yeah. Honestly, can't say that's one of the, one of the, one of the top best, five things the, I thought of. One but. of the best things <laughs> streaming on Twitch is especially with the early morning ones because I'll put my sweatpants on and go downstairs and I just got like a I got like a clean shirt on, but I've got my house pants on, and it's fine. You can't do that if you actually go to work. You can put your house pants on. The real benefits. Exactly. What brands would you attract with that little ad? I wonder. That's not a bad idea. Jean, Jordash brand. Is Jordash brand still around? I don't, I don't even know. know. Levi's, they're still going. They're definitely jeans. Yeah. So yeah, you could do that. There should be some kind of Twitch brand for what people wear. We'll do there that. are chairs. This is way a side note, but there are chairs, office chairs. I went to look for a new chair for my desk. And I'm not a gamer. I, I'm not much the into gamer, it. The gamer, like, racing chair? There's gamer awesome. chairs that are, like, $1,200. And they've got the neck support, the head support, yep. and the arm. And it's like, dude, like, you could live on this damn chair. Like, when, you'd in, have to, paying that much In for studio it. terms, so, there yeah. was the Herman Miller Arion. I think that's what it was called. And they're like Herman Miller. Yeah, they were, like, 600 bucks to 1000 bucks for these Whoa. chairs. And all the, every studio had them, but they're wicked comfortable, and they're all matched. Yeah, so there's, like, like... You didn't get, like, sweaty cushiony. butt or anything. Yeah, and yeah. they're just, like, perfect. But you see some of these, like, gamer chairs, because there's a lot of entry-level ones are, like, three or $400. I'm like, at what point do you need a gamer chair? When you sit for, like, three hours... <laughs> exactly. You're like, okay, I kind of wanted a gamer my, chair. My butt cheeks are numb Because it, like, tilts you back... And like cradles you, like it just makes life feel okay. I guess. I'm yeah. like, yeah. I it want reminds that. me of the chair that you would see in like Star Wars or Star Trek or something, yeah. like where you know, I guess yeah, you don't no, really notice. They're it. pretty awesome. 
So, but yeah, that surprised me. So life goals. I think that the <laughs> life goals. 